Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, verses six through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friends, it's a delight to be worshiping with you, even though remotely. I, I want you to know, if you looked at the order of worship and did not see Reverend Bell singing today, that's because Reverend Bell and Herb Buffington, our illustrious organist, just came up with that about five minutes before the service. And I don't know about you, but it was a delight to me. I think Reverend Bell almost did a jig as he was singing. He looked like a leprechaun, and for that, I am delight, delighting and happy, and I hope that you are at home as well, for his spirit in all sincerity is something that helps me through dark and challenging times like this one. Friends, it is, again, a delight to be with you in worship. I do encourage you to engage with our ministers who are engaging online. If you have questions about why we do what we do or something, what something means, go ahead and ask Dee Stone and Sarah Brasington and Reverend Workman. I know that they'll be happy to engage with you. Now, before we consider this text, let us go to the throne of God together in prayer. Creator God, we are thankful for the life that you have given us. We acknowledge that there are ways that we haven't been so wise with that good gift. In fact, we've been wayward. But God, when we as a human race walked away from your love, you still sent your Son Christ into our midst to draw us, to reconcile us into your beloved community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. And in Christ, we believe that we are having our hearts recultivated to seek your kingdom rather than the kingdom of our own choosing. In like manner, you sent your Spirit to be as a guide and friend to us, to be with us as our breath is with us, to make us a community of care. Send your Spirit freshly now in this very hour in this sacred space and in the sacred spaces and all over this city and all over this country, the living rooms of my friends and my brothers and sisters, the kitchen tables, the places where we gather to still worship. Be there with us. Be here with us all. For you and I know that without you, I can do nothing. Give us a fresh word today, God. It is in the matchless name of Christ we pray, and God's people say together, Amen. 
One of the most beautiful and theologically rich films I have ever seen is Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. It's not an entertaining watch. It's sometimes a challenging view, but it is deep. There's barely any dialogue in the film, and as a viewer, you are like a fly on the wall for the history of a family. And what you hear instead of dialogue is prayers and and thoughts, the longings of these people's hearts. Mrs. O'Brien says this, the nuns taught us that there were two ways through life, the way of nature and the way of grace. You have to choose which one you will follow. Grace doesn't try to please itself, accepts being slighted, forgotten, disliked, accepts insults and and injuries. Nature only wants to please itself, get others to please it too, likes to lord it over them, to have its own way. It finds reasons to be unhappy when all the world is shining around it, and love is smiling through all things. For Mrs. O'Brien, nature, it's not to denote the woods or creatureliness per se. Rather, it is denoting that social imaginary that does more to prescribe our behavior as humans than it does to describe it. And that social imaginary tells us that life is rife with um, limited resources and we're all in competition for them, so we better get it while we can. Grace simply means gift. Life as gift to be received from on high. Now, it is common advice to highlight that there are two paths through life, and I think all of us logically uh, know that that's not true. There are many pathways through life, but the two-path genre, it's got a job. It's meant to embolden and galvanize a person toward the lighted path of virtue, to, to live, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, by the better angels of our natures. That's what this genre is for. And here in the book of Romans, St. Paul plays with this genre of the two pathways through life. For him, one of the pathways is called the life of the flesh, kata sarks. And the other is life of the spirit, kata numa. What does St. Paul mean by flesh? Let me suggest for a moment that it's not something reducible to one's body or one's nature as a creature. St. Paul is not decrying our bodies or the earth in this passage. Rather, Paul uses the flesh language here to, to indicate a kind of life that is kind of reducible to unmitigated passions and desires and appetites. It's all about self-interest here. We're the ego becomes king. As such, the way of the flesh, says St. Paul, is hostile to God. The way of the flesh is easily known through addictions and overconsumption, and sermons along those lines have been well-worn. I don't need to describe them to you, because you and I are living in a time where the fleshly path is on full display socially. Do you have any toilet paper? Do you have hand sanitizer? 
I was in Costco several weeks ago trying to get some shelf-stable foods just in case we couldn't go out of our homes for a week or so because that was the advice of the time. I had my AirPods in, so I was not listening to people in the store. Uh, I, I just noticed that there was a, a lot of people moving to one direction, so I thought I'd go over there as well and see what all the fuss was about. It was toilet paper. The employees at Costco were standing behind a rack, and they were putting uh, toilet paper through the rack onto a pallet, but they could never build up a supply because people stood there just taking them one after the other. And then there was two people standing together, and they saw a, a package of toilet paper put, put down, and they both, they both grabbed it. And I took out my AirPod, and I heard one say to the employee of Costco, do you have any more? And he said, no, not till tomorrow. And then I watched them fight each other in the store for toilet paper. The way of the flesh is interested in its own interest alone. And St. Paul here puts Christians on notice. Christians are called to the other pathway, the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is the path of obedience to God so that God's Spirit or, or breath flows in you and out of you through what you do in the world. It is the way of righteousness, which is not self-interested in the least, and it's the way of resurrected life or new life. I've been able to see some ways of the Spirit practiced in these uncertain times too. My sister runs a corporate kitchen here on Peachtree Street, she called me up and said, we're closing down. We've got all kinds of lettuce and eggs and things. Can we bring them to your home? And I said, sure. My neighbor, Paul, who owns the Atlantic Grill in Atlantic Station, called me that same afternoon with the same thing. We've got stuff in the fridge. Do you know anyone who could use it? I said, I don't know, but just bring it on over. And so they did. My wife, who lives the way of the Spirit so beautifully, she got on the phone and called the school because the school has, has let us know that there's still children out there who are hungry, who get free lunch at school. And so the school has kind of rallied around these families and continued to deliver food to their homes for free. She called the school, got a hold of a teacher, said, do you know anybody who has any needs? And we found out that in Marcella's class, there was someone, maybe more. I didn't know what was happening because my wife, when she gets working with the Spirit, sometimes works too fast for my slow brain to catch up with. She's collecting food from my neighbor and from my sister, and she's got a cooler. She sent me to the, the gas station to get ice, and so I'm bringing ice out. And then she goes, carry this cooler down to the road. So I do it because I try to do what she tells me to make her happy because I'm lucky to be with her. We can all agree, right? And I walk this down to the road, and then I come back inside. And I said, what did I do that for? She said that the school was going to send over a couple families sometime in the evening, and they were just going to go into the cooler and take what they needed. I saw the way of the Spirit come through different people and family members and loved ones to, to make something happen good for somebody in need. Friends, let me encourage you that we, as the church, need in this moment more than almost any other moment to remember that we are called to be people of the Spirit, and thus we are people who are supposed to bring righteousness to a hoarding world and new life to a world with brokenness. 
If you'll permit me, I have developed a list of just a few ways to live the path of the Spirit in the age of COVID-19. Some of these things are things I've seen, and some came simply out of my mind when I was thinking about it, but hopefully you've seen some of these too. I saw people converting free little libraries into food pantries for the neighborhood. People putting canned goods and shelf-stable things in free little libraries all over town to help people who might have needs. I think living life along the pathway of the Spirit means that some of us need to think about covering the expenses of other people. Earlier, I mentioned to you that we actually have a fund we're developing at Peachtree for this, this end. If you want to give to it, you may do so. We need to be thinking about caring for those who live hand-to-mouth or who have less than we have, and sometimes I think it means relieving debts. I pray, God, that we have a jubilee moment in our country where some debts are just gotten rid of. I can't change our government, though. I can only change myself and know that I still have means to give. Will you give, too? I've heard of landlords not charging their restaurateurs for rent because they encourage the restaurant owner to pay their employees. That certainly smells of the Spirit to me. Friends, you can live the pathway of the Spirit in this moment by, by sending people encouraging cards in the mail, having nice phone calls and texts where you say the thing that you never say but that you always should say, the thing that you think about but never utter, the good thing the thing of love, the thing of appreciation. We all need it right now. Walking the path of the Spirit may be for you an opportunity to order groceries online through one of those grocery delivery services and have it sent to somebody who should not be leaving their homes. When you call them and say, how can I help you? They'll say, just pray for me. Don't do it. I don't really need anything. And sometimes, friends, that's true. And sometimes that's just baloney. So you might take it upon yourself to send groceries to somebody that you know of, somebody that you can care for. As a person who has kids at home, let me tell you what would speak spiritually uh, refreshing stuff into my world. Call up my kids, put them on FaceTime, and read a story to them. If you could do that, it would be like a balm for parents right now. I I know that, that we are living in a time where things are strange and upside down, but Being people of the Spirit means that we probably should be people who are right now praying for our leaders, our mayors, our governors, our president. You may not like these people. You may disagree with them. You may not have voted for them. But being people of the Spirit means that we want nothing less than the Spirit of God to flow into the people's minds and hearts who make decisions for us. Pray for those leaders, my friends. I think following the pathway of the Spirit might lead you out of your house and into your yard to plant flowers, to plant a garden, perhaps to even plant a tree that you will not live long enough to see mature. It might lead you in the kitchen to try your hand at cooking or down to the dining room table to write a journal about what you're grateful for, my friends. Here's something. Try something new. I was uh, on a conference call with pastors from all over the country discussing how we should negotiate this time, and one of them said something profound. He said, simultaneously, we're all in Sabbath time, but we're also in exile. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, we're in Sabbath time, which means we have more time on our hands. I said, do you have kids? 
Regardless, though, most of us are not driving around to and from work, so there is more time spent doing something else, or there's more time available to Sabbath, perhaps. Yet we're in exile. We're out in the wilderness. We're not necessarily comfortable with where we are. We are experiencing Lent in a more profound way than perhaps ever before. You don't have to give anything up because so much has already been taken away. But here's my point in saying all this. In this unique time of Sabbath and exile, why don't you try your hand at something new? Read different kinds of books. Start teaching yourself to play the guitar. Maybe learn and start learning a new language because when you come out of exile, what good will you be bringing with you for the sake of the world? Thinking like that is thinking with the Spirit. May I be so bold as to tell you to turn off your television just a little bit more and have a wild dance party in your living room? Or maybe light a few candles, turn off the lights, and tell stories. You could write an essay, a poem. Write one about how you see God moving still in these times, following the pathway of the Spirit means that we are going to be a people of generosity. Which path will you choose? One way to dramatically answer that question and to end this sermon would be to tell you a story about some young guy who was born in poverty and a life of violence, and he's had gang activity or something, and then somebody sage-like comes and tells them that they have a path through life they could choose. It's a better one, and, and it'll make all the difference, i.e. Robert Frost's poem. Great. That kind of story matters, and there's some sermons that are worth having that in it, but I think most of the people I know associated with this church or who stream or who watch this on demand later have probably already dedicated themselves to some sort of ethical living. Most everyone I know does want to be a good person. What we need to contend with in our spirits today is to ask what we will do in the moments that come up upon us and we have to act quickly, or we have to make a knee-jerk response to something? Will we make choices in accordance with the path of the Spirit or the path of the flesh? Developing the ability to move along the contours of the Spirit on a moment's notice takes practice, which is why church is so wonderful. When we gather for church, we sing in certain ways, we listen in certain ways, we're quiet intentionally, we pray certain kinds of prayers, we listen to teachings from the Scriptures, we commune in certain ways, and all of it is a sort of school, a sort of uh, spiritual preparation for those moments in life where things happen and we need to act quickly and hopefully in accordance with the grace and love of God. Spiritual practices help us with this as well. They're there to help us live in such a way as to give grace and let hope and joy burst from our being, train the way in the way of the Spirit so you can live in the way of the Spirit. Each week that we've been distant from one another, I've tried to look at you in the eyes and tell you that God is here in spite of all this and that God is not silent. And those things are true. I believe them. But I'm going to encourage you now and all of us now 
to make choices to live the pathway of the Spirit. For when we live that way, we will make the truth that God is here and God is not silent real to people that we meet, people that we come across, for they will see you and see God in you. Choose the pathway of the Spirit. God bless.